1: We are happy now in studio to welcome in our buddy who is uh, also uh, does some color commentary on SWX for men's hoops and uh, happened to play a little bit. Bobby Moorhead, former Montana Grizzly men's basketball player, four-year starter for the Grizz, and now a uh, a proud apprenting coffee roaster in uh, in this town as well. Hello, Bobby, how are you?
3: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, on. man. It's well, good we're to s- be back. We're Thank happy you. to have you in
1: here, dude. This is fun. It's uh, fun to have you in studio here and uh, and to talk a little bit of hoops, man. This is Absolutely. good. Uh, Before you-
0: we get him to start analyzing on it, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to have him give a life update. I'm sitting here looking at him. He's all he's got a yeah. Look at yeah, right? this be, guy. It's a done great. deal. So, it's amazing Thank how much you your did. life can change in a year, right? I think you were on the ESPN roundtable, which was our first ESPN roundtable yeah, you about a year ago today, and now here you are, and you're married, you're on TV, you got a wedding ring on. I mean, what, tell people about the life update.
3: Yeah, man. A lot's, uh, lots happened for me since, <laughs> since last basketball season. Obviously graduated, um, got married in August, pretty soon after graduation, uh, got engaged right before a game last year. I'm sure a lot of people saw that in the newspaper. Um, that was actually... Pretty Scary day because I was really worried that if we lost, that was going to be a rough day. You know, yeah. that sounds bad, but like I did my best. Uh, the only people in on the team who knew were Jamar and Mike before the game because I didn't want it to get out and you know distract anybody before a game. And if we lost, I just didn't want to deal with it.
1: Was there any way that was going to shift? You're like, this happens if we win, but if we don't win, I'm waiting for it. Which game was it? It was
3: Weber States. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I just planned it for that morning, and I don't really know why, but you know, like. I wouldn't Ooh, say it was a distraction for proposal. me, but it, it probably wasn't the best idea.
1: You know? <laughs> like in hindsight,
3: like, cause if we would have lost, like I would have been upset and it would have been obviously still one of the best days of my life, but sure. You know,
1: you wanted it all to great, be right on but, the day, right? Yeah. Well, pretty clearly. I mean, this has all gone well for you and it all started at the round table on this yeah. show. So I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. obviously the catalyst for the whole thing. Absolutely. Uh, so there you but go. Yeah.
3: Anyways, um, got married in August. Uh, we decided to stay in Missoula and I, uh. Have long-term goals. I'd like to open a coffee roaster. So, if any uh, investors are listening on the, <laughs> on the show here tonight,
1: uh, well, I'd if, love some help. If but you're looking for some cash, you got the two right guys right here, Coulter and me. We're deep, buddy. We're, right. we're, we're looking for anywhere, any sort of hedge funds to get this, to, you know, cover our taxes.
3: Absolutely, love to yeah. hear it. Yeah, but uh,
1: that's awesome, though. Man, wasn't ready
3: to go back to the Seattle area yet. Yeah. You know, it's just got really used to the pace of life here. Um, just relaxed. You know, started to really get some awesome friendships, and so. We're sticking around for a little while. Um, my wife is not as big of a fan as Missoula as I am. So, what? you know, we'll see how long we last here. She's she's a big family girl. so.
1: Well, maybe you we know, get her on we'll the show and she feels yeah, even right? better about <laughs> it. You we'll know? yeah. see how that let's goes. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, let's talk a little bit of basketball. Sure. Uh, you were uh, calling the game last night uh, on SWX television. And so interesting to me because the history of the Grizzlies in eastern Washington has been such a... a a good one in recent years. Obviously, you're on a team that played Eastern for the right to go to the the big dance two consecutive years. You end up winning both of those contests. But Eastern has traditionally been a a very good basketball team, has had some of the best talent in the conference. and the last two years, they have been the next best team, ultimately, in, in the big sky. When you were playing in a regular season game against them, you knew it was going to be a little different from many of the rest of the games you were going to play during a regular season, right? No question. So, how do you what? What, what is that like? What's that week, maybe of preparation or those few days of preparation when you know, hey, it's Eastern is coming up now.
3: Yeah, I mean, tensions are just high. You know, coaches are on edge. Um, but again, coaches are on edge for every game. You know, <laughs> not
1: Travis. I mean, Travis <laughs> <Come> is <on. laughs> yeah. Travis. is... I mean, you're barely yeah, woken up. You know, you know,
3: that's their job. They got to be on edge, and, yeah. I, and I totally get it. But um, but yeah, Eastern for some reason, always gave us fits. You know, I think the last couple of years until, you know, this team was the one that finally swept them. But I don't think we did that. If, I don't know if we did that any of the times that I was here.
0: Two, um, two losses you know. in a row right. in Cheney until yeah. this year. But you guys got them back at home each of the last two times and then got and them then in the, the tournament.
3: Yeah, and so we've they've always given us a lot of problems. Um, and I, You know, honestly, it was probably smart for them not to um, gain a big lead, you know, because they blew it twice against us in the, in the championship of the Big Sky Tournament. But... But, yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I think Coach Leggins does a really good job. Um, I was saying it on TV last night. is He just hypes his guys. He's the ultimate player's coach, and I think that shows in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's a kind of a risky thing um, in a way because guys can be out of control. But, you know, you can see his animation on the court, and I think the players really want to play for him. And, I you know, I think uh, for him, this is a huge game. You know, Montana Grizzlies have been at the top for a long time in this conference. Yeah. Um, and it's looking like it's hopefully going to stay that way. But, um. You know, it's a game that everybody can just get hyped for, and and usually there's there's something big on the line. Last night, first place, um, obviously last two years, in Boise and in Reno, ch- chance to go to NCAA tournaments on the line. So, um, you know, when you consistently are playing these teams for those in those big games, um, it just adds something different to the to the game.
0: I want to ask you about uh, the the, uh, the chances of it boiling over because we saw it a little <laughs> bit last night. But first, I want to ask you just about the analysis of Shante Leggins because I think this is a fascinating one. Shante puts on a show from the opening tip to the closing buzzer. I think there's a lot of coaches around the country that are very intense. Travis Secure is definitely very mm-hmm. intense but I think that there's different identities in the way that you go about it. But to me I, I, I heard, I think that one of the brilliant parts about Shante Leggins is when he's in Missoula, my phone blows up from all sorts of Grizz people saying what's wrong with this coach? This guy's going crazy. This guy's got to sit down. This guy's got to stop standing. (laughs) But I think that that's a part of the shtick. There's a lot of coaches in the big sky that yell down their guys' throats, and I think that it doesn't go that well sometimes. I think that they're distracting to their players. I think what people got to understand when they watch Shante Leggins is he's trying to distract all of the attention in the entire game away from his players Mm -hmm. to make them be... Ultimately confident, and, and, that, and, I yeah. think, and I think that's what you see with Eastern. When they're playing, he's hardly coaching because that's their style, especially on on offense. Just get into it, isolate, go. And they had that 20-4 to 4 run last night where that's what they were doing. And it's when they get into the structure and the half-court stuff that they're actually not as good. But I just think that Shante Legas gets a little bit of a bad rep when he's on the road sometimes because... I think people don't understand the tactic. There's screaming at your players and then there's grandstanding to make sure that your players feel no pressure at all. I think that's what you're talking about, right? In no fact, that he's a player coach.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's just hyping up his players the whole time. You right. know, like he's, he's yelling at them, but he's giving them the hardest high fives of their lives. You know, like I still remember in Boise, you know, we're getting ready for our tournament and you know, Travis is- it's quiet in another room, and then we walk out in the hallway, and Leggins is just, like, pounding the wall and just getting everybody hyped, and, you know, and so to an extent, you know, that's super awesome for these players, but then again, um, you know, when your coach is, is instilling all that confidence, it's easy to get out of control, um, so I think a little bit opposite, and and it can it can be good, and it can be bad, you know, so I think it's a, being a coach is a difficult thing, obviously, we all know that, but, oh, yeah. um and I think he does a really good job of. It. I think his players love him. Like I think he's an awesome guy. You know, like he talked to me after the game and he was super nice, even after they just lost. And has asked me how life was, and 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 so I really respect him. I think he I think he does a really good
1: job. Yeah, well, we I mean, Colter and I have had Shante on this show many times, talked to him many times in person, and we both think very highly of him as a as a guy. He's a young coach too. I mean, this is hey, only sure. his third year, but I I love the way that he goes about it in general. He's true to who he is, and again, I think that. Uh, you know people who are you know uh, put off by it or whatever like this is a reflection on who you're rooting for and that's fine like of no course you, know, you always hate the opposing posing coach team whatever yeah. finding reasons to dislike certain guys for whatever it is and that's fine like that's part of, that's sports man well and i think that,
0: that that's what i want to get into about this game because usually i'm the guy that thinks that officiating is just a part of the action and that, you know, when people are talking about we should have video replay for balls and strikes in baseball, get out of here. That's a human element of the game. Let's let's take it for what it's worth. But sometimes in this league and a lot of leagues, the refs lose complete control of the game. And I thought that you mentioned sometimes it can boil over for Eastern Washington. But to me, so much of that falls upon the officials. Shantae was, he told me this after the game. He said, at one point, it was so out of control, I was trying to get a technical to try to inspire my guys, and they wouldn't even give me one. He had to go onto the court and start taking off his tie <laughs> to get a tee, yeah. and he didn't actually get it until the 13 seconds left in the game, and at that point, it's just a wash, and he even said that on the record yeah. with us. He said, you know, I feel regrettable that the way that the game ended was me getting a tentacle—that's not what I want to show my guys. But I was actually trying to get it about ten minutes earlier. But then you talk about the boiling over too. That's this is the thing that drives me crazy. And I want to get a little bit of the analysis of the actual officiating, not the way that they do it, but the way that these, the way the refs are chosen. Because the big sky moved into the Western Officiating Consortium about three, maybe four years ago, and I think everybody in the league thought. That was going to
1: raise the level of officiating in, in the league.
3: That's Pac-12 refs too, right? Right. It's and, everybody. And so Pac-12, here,
1: Big Mount, uh, Mountain West, and Big Sky. All the big conferences. Yeah. In the West so, the- so, yeah. here,
0: so here's what's happened, though, is it gives the Big Sky access to refs that might ref in the Pac-12, certainly. But it's not guaranteed that those guys are going to be in the Pac-12 because the way that it works is the schedule comes out each week and the guys with the most experience get to claim their games first. And so on a Thursday night when on in the West, pretty much everybody's playing on Thursday, right? The Big Sky's playing, the Big West, yeah, the WCC, sure. the Mountain West, the Pac-12. So you got Oregon, Oregon State going over here, Washington, Washington, Washington State going over here. Those veteran guys, especially if they're from those areas, boom, they're claiming those games. And so then all of a sudden it matriculates down. But to me, it's not even that – it's not that necessarily the quality of the refs because the crew last night – is a pretty consistent Mountain West and sometimes gets Pac-12 games. So they know what they're doing in terms of the actual enforcement of the rules of basketball. They don't know what they're doing refing in Dahlberg Arena, and they don't know what they're doing in terms of the players. And that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's this sick irony where going away from having crews that are exclusively in the Big Sky, they don't know the personnel. If you just had Big Sky refs, they might not be guys that had the acumen to really co- mm-hmm. to, to call Pac-12 games, but... They would know Saeed Pridgett and Kim Aiken have a rivalry. They would know that Travis Takira and, Ch- and Shantae Liggins are going to grandstand a little bit, and this is just the way it goes. They would be able to handle the personalities yeah. within the game, and that's the thing that just drives me wild.
1: To tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Bobby Moorhead guest in studio with us for the first part of the show today. Very good of him to come by, talk to move. Here's my question, though. I didn't, there was a ton of fouls, 55 total fouls, six technical fouls, a couple of technical fouls that just didn't need to be called, Slapping the backboard after a dunk. I mean, it's, uh, that that is not good. But in any case, I didn't feel like this game boiled over. I thought this was a high emotional game that was a lot of fun. Nobody got into any fights. There's a couple of moments of coming together. Okay, like big deal. Like, okay. Kim Aiken is in the corner and a, a cheerleader pushes him and gets nah. ejected out of the game, which I didn't even see the ejection happen. It was very subtle for an ejection of a fan. Yeah, and then they a, actually a threw a the
0: wrong person because they thought it was the male cheerleader. The male cheerleader has to leave the area. Right. In fact, it was actually yeah. a female, the female cheerleader, cheerleader. Yeah. which in itself is hilarious since Kim Aiken is like the big bad enforcer of the big sky and a uh, little five-foot-nothing 90-pound well, girl you know you, flying. You can't
1: probably be putting your hands uh, whoever you are, on any of the players okay we don't want want to make sure that barrier is set so i got no problem with that colter you have a business and your business is based in the world wide web indeed i do so i'm on my computer all the time and if you're not online you're not making money and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure am i right absolutely got to be cyber safe this day and age
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. I thought it was a great emotional game between two good teams. See, but I didn't <laughs> think it was more than that. I, I agree with your premise,
0: but... Here's what I'm talking about with the game not being in control. No, I, yeah. It was it was incredibly clunky. There was no flow. There, the That's basketball right. is a game of runs. There was only two true runs in that entire game. 10-2 by the Grizz to open the game and 20-4 by, by Eastern to close the first half. Other than that, clunky, 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 clunky. There was no ability to really find any flow. And I think that it killed both teams because Eastern Washington, they got to have transition flow. Every time there's a stoppage, it kills their style. Montana... I think that probably they're like Travis Takiro always says, your greatest strengths your greatest weakness, right? Montana plays with an incredible amount of emotion. When the emotion, though, I mean, <laughs> with Timmy falls is having to keep his head, you really have to keep yourself in check and it makes the flow not go that well for the Grizz either. So I just I thought that was the part that just drove me crazy. What did you think? Yeah,
3: I just think it sets a soft precedent at the beginning. They're just calling all these things. Nobody can really get, like you said, to the flow of the game. And I don't think it boiled over emotional, you know, every game against Eastern Washington is emotional. Every yeah, game against yeah. Montana state's emotional. So I don't think that it was over emotional or I, I thought it might've been under emotional just, just due to the fact that the refs were calling so much, you know, like, like even last night on TV, it was hard for us to even figure things to talk about. They went to the monitor so much, you know, like yeah. it's just a slow. Um, and so for a game that were the big sky, you know, championship is potentially on the line, like for that to happen is, you know, it's just not fun for the fans. It's not fun for the players, but it, you know, it's it's something me and Michael Aguiney were just talking about the other day. Is it seems to be a common thing on the West Coast, and and right. I don't know in general if that's true or not. But, you know, when we went over to Pitt and Penn State, we were allowed to play physical basketball.
1: Um, right.
3: And and at certain times, and in Michigan in the big or in the um, NCAA tournament, you know, they were letting a lot of stuff go. You know, like right. guys are, are hacking you. And, and for me, I like that. I like playing physical basketball. But you know, in the Big Sky, you chest a guy up and you get called for a foul, and then next possession, you're you know trying to keep the ball in the paint and you get called for a foul. And so I don't know what the deal is, but that seems to be a trend over here on the West Coast. Mm. You know, I watch UW basketball on Pac-12, and it seems to be kind of the same story. But then you watch a game on the East Coast where there's a lot of people watching, and I'm sure that has something to do with it, you know, a lot of viewership. and. A lot of people really interested in the game, but that seems to be a, a common thing.
1: Well, and doesn't it doesn't the Big Ten too, right? It gets this reputation of just a bunch of big physical guys and and somehow there's just a level of almost expectation that running into each other is just sort of par for the course yeah. and this is what it's gonna be. Whereas on the West Coast the Pac twelve is I mean, I don't know that it's been "Quote unquote," a lot more athletic, but it seemed like it's been a more up and down style of basketball, yeah. and it's maybe, just more
0: guard-oriented out west, yeah, right. across the board, right? And
1: so, and so, then you know, you get accustomed to looking at that, and then all of a sudden, things that don't look like fouls at all in, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, look like fouls in Los yeah. Angeles, California. I, I don't know. I, think I, don't you know
0: I also wonder. I've wondered this for a long time too. I just wonder if these guys just don't have as much experience officiating true big guys because there's. There's really is a, a lack of true big guys from the Pac-12 all the way down. And Jamar coaches talked to us about this all the time. I mean, Jamar just he he was almost impossible to officiate in this league. That had nothing to do with he had it had nothing to do with him. It had to do with their their inability to officiate him, right? So he was either getting hammered or getting calls or or getting soft calls. Either way, you you know, it it just seems like there's not a lot of consistency. I mean,
3: guys had to flop to guard Jamar, yeah, (laughs) right. Specifically, Sam Newman from (laughs) Texas State. I don't want to call anybody out. (laughs) No, no, he was a a good competitor. Sam
0: Newman's come on the show and talked all about. But you know, the guy would just (laughs)
3: Jamar would turn and the guy would just drop left and right, and and the the rest would give it to him, right. And and so I think the new rule this year is kind of a good one in, in that case, but the new flopping rule. But,
1: you know. uh, specifically last night, again, 92-82, the final. This is a two-point game with 36 seconds left to go in it. I mean, Eastern Washington had come all the way back yet again. They were down double digits in the first half, had the lead then ultimately at the break, were down double digits again in the second half, cut it to two with a, a half a minute just over to play. But Montana, basically from the free throw line, able to extend the thing back out and win by 10 as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Said Bridget, 24-8-4 and last night. Kendall, Manuel an outstanding performance, 18-4-4, four and, four, and and a stretch where he went seven he scored seven consecutive points for the Grizzlies, two three two threes, one of which he was fouled on. That was probably the biggest roar of the night on his four-point play. So he has his own seven-o run in a moment where Eastern had really come back and made a run, and he stretched it back out offensively for the Grizzlies. Eastern Washington, Jacob Davidson, thirty-four last night, was Feeling. I mean he there there's there's good players on Easter Washington. So who are you gonna take away? Who are you gonna try and deal with? I think it starts and stops with Mason Petling. but Jacob Davidson became the guy that I guess Montana was willing to endure last yeah. night. Is that what you saw?
3: Yeah, I think that's kind of been the story of the last couple of games. You know, Harold Frey goes off for thirty nine, um, but the Grizz still win by fifteen. You know, I think Travis is willing to allow that to happen and still get the win, you know? I think um like the it- the difference was, you know, Davison was driving last night, and he had a phenomenal game, but he wasn't looking to pass very often at all. Right, whereas, Saeed right. Pridget would drive, and two guys would collapse at him, same way as our defense would collapse on Davison. But Davison mm-hmm. would throw it up, whereas Saeed would find a drop-off, and, and we'd get to the free-throw line. Um, so it's just a difference um, in that, you know? Yeah. And it was... Yeah, Davidson was phenomenal last night. Saeed Pritchett was phenomenal, and and, and I think it's something you, you have to be willing to live with to well, you know, get the win.
1: Bobby Moorhead in studio with us, by the way, former Grizzly basketball player. You should know this still. It was just a year ago for four years, <laughs> people. Happy to have him in here.
0: Uh, two points there, too. First of all, like Travis DeKeer said after the game, Eastern Washington wins not because of Jacob Davidson's 18 points per game or Mason Peeling's 16 points per game. It's when the Rouse kid and Jack Perry and uh, Ellis Magnuson. When those three guys combine to hit nine threes, because you're getting so much attention on those other guys and they're just shooting wide open shots. That's where Eastern beats you. They're going to hit eight to 10 threes because of their star players. Mm -hmm. It's when the other guys hit eight to 10 threes, then all of a sudden you're giving up 95 and you're done. The Kendall Manuel point you made though. I think this is a huge turning point for Kendall Manuel. The last couple weeks as an individual, as well as with this Grizz team. There's been times in Kendall's career where, when he's not making shots, he loses it on the defensive end, too. Travis said after the game, he stayed with it defensively, so we stayed with him, and his teammates continued to have confidence for him. The loudest roar came because Travis called a timeout and drove a play for Kendall, and he comes off the pick, drills the three, gets fouled. Travis gives his biggest fist pump of the night. But I just think it was a great mental resilience by Kendall because he, I mean, Manuel missed six of his first seven shots. And then he didn't miss a shot after that, and he ended up hitting three threes in a row, and he, and he scored, I think, 16 of his 18 points after the cold streak, and his ability to stay in it mentally, I think that's a huge turning point for him, and that's going to be so big for Montana down the stretch.
1: Bobby, as a shooter in, in, in college basketball where there are a lot of set plays that can be run up or at yeah. least plays in sets in the flow of a game, Coach DeCure said repeatedly going into Eastern, though, is a sort of defense where you just got to keep making the, the next right play. Mm-hmm. And we don't know necessarily who the guy is who's going to shoot the ball. Yeah. So you have to be aware of the situation at all times and know whether this is a good spot to pull it or a good spot to pass it or do whatever you need to do. My question to you is, is there a difference for you as a shooter when you are... Playing Just playing basketball and looking for a spot and trying to make that sort of instantaneous choice about whether to shoot it or not. And it's yeah. not even a choice. It's just a feel and instinct. As opposed to a play out of a timeout that says... Bobby, you're coming off this screen. You're going to get the pass, and you are going to shoot the ball right here, right now. Period. And and you just know, okay, I'm getting a look. I'm going to go take the shot. Is there a difference in confidence or something like yeah, that?
3: Yeah, I think that's definitely a confidence booster. Like yeah. for Kendall, for Trav to call a timeout when Kendall hadn't been shooting well, um, to come out and bang a big three to get the crowd going. You know, that's huge for Kendall. He's like, okay, my coach believes in me right now. I'm going to go knock this one down. I still remember my freshman year. Um, we're playing Weber State in the Big side Championship, and we were down three. Um with like a minute left and trav called to play for me and I was a freshman I was kind of rattled in the timeout, but I hit the three and we tied it And that that was like a huge confidence builder for me yeah. He's like, okay, you know, we're gonna go to a true freshman here And and so for for travis he knows what he's doing there, you know, he's like You know kendall's gonna keep shooting the ball We know that so might as well give him some confidence while he's gonna shoot those mm-hmm. and and it worked, you know And I think kendall's been extremely tough that way this year, you know He obviously didn't shoot very well at all for probably, you know
1: the, the Eight first or time nine for the non-conference games. really he yeah. you know, you
3: didn't shoot very well um, and part of that's probably the deeper three-point line you know different things um, but eventually the numbers catch up you know and, and some guys shut down shooting you know like my sophomore guy shot really bad and I never really picked it up for the whole year um, and so that's a toughness that I didn't necessarily didn't have that year um, that Kendall's shown to you know to have and so um, that's been awesome to see for the Grizzlies you know
0: it's been huge well that's sports so I know we gotta get out Yeah. but Bobby will be staying with us for the next
1: break so yes, stay tuned will. for
0: that as well but
1: we might just lock this thing from the outside and <laughs> go anywhere. I don't know.
0: You and I actually did our post game with the exception of coach Dakir, separate last night. Yes. We were getting a couple different guys and mm-hmm. I talked to Saeed Pridget and you were talking to Mac Anderson. But I thought the one thing that was really interesting is another, I think uh, indicative turning point for this team as they continue to get better. And, and honestly, I think surprised a lot of people around the league. Not me. I picked them to win the league. I, I will continue to remind people that, but
1: good Colter.
0: Saeed said, I thought this was interesting though. He said, Montana was in this, they, they were about to break it open. It was about a five-point game and Travis called that timeout and Saeed said he actually drew the play up for for Bridget and they were going to run some stuff off of Bridget because Eastern was trapping him and Saeed told Travis, no, draw it up for Kendall. He needs one. Mm. And I think that that right there is, is such a good part of the team, right? Said has so much confidence in Kendall says, coach, he's the one that needs the confidence right now. Let's draw it up for him. And then he hits it and he goes on to score 11 more points mm-hmm. down the stretch.
1: There's three seniors on this team, but Saeed's the only one who's been there this whole way through. Yeah. You guys had you know, this this unbelievable class of four tremendous seniors, three of you who had basically been there the whole way through together, and then Jamar came a little later on. Yeah. But Did you have that relationship with Travis, you personally, or the guys in general to go, hey, this is what we need to do? Like in the timeout, how much did that happen?
3: No question. I think there was a lot of... "Quote unquote," arguing, I would say, you know, like, um, but in a good way, you know, like I think early on, a couple of us would struggle with the way he would yell at us, and, and I think after a while, you know, there was respect, and I think Travis liked when people when guys would come back at him, yeah, in a, you know, to a certain extent, and so, you know, I, I That's still think Saeed's learned, right? right? Yeah,
0: I mean, when he first got here didn't take that very well. Now he goes back at Trav all the time.
3: Exactly, and so it, you know, obviously it's a it's a respect thing. You know, it's not you know, Travis, you're wrong. Like I'm going to do this. But, sure. you know, I still remember one time at Northern Colorado, uh, Andre Spite hit a three on me, and Travis is just raining me out of the timeout, you know, and just like, you know, coaches are almost holding him back because he was so mad at me because it was a close game. And, you know, I start screaming back at him, and then we eventually come to this, you know, we like hug it out and we come to this agreement. And, you know, it's, and like I think Travis really respects that. And so I think for, you know, Mike Ahmad, Jamar, I think the guys weren't afraid to to give their opinion in games. And so I think... Travis would absolutely listen. You know, if I'm like, hey, Travis, that defense is not going to work right now. Like, let's do this. And he's like, okay, Bob, you know, like, let's do this. And, and so I think that's awesome for a coach to be able to listen to a player like that. And, yeah. you know, I don't think Saeed would have done that his freshman year. And, right. and I think that's where we've seen his growth. That's why he's got most improved player every year for the Grizz. You know, he's not only improved his game, which is clear, but he's improved his leadership. And the guys on the team are raving about his leadership this year.
1: How could you let Andre Spite score? He was he, he couldn't shoot. No, he, no, was he was no, 90 thoughts. He was, a, he that was not that talented, my goodness.
3: <laughs> no, I mean there was it's pretty crazy the, the things that Travis would say in practice sometimes, you know, like we were scouting for Tyler Hall in practice and Harold Frey. And you know, I'd be on whoever was, I think it was Nico Bevins who was pretending to be Tyler and like somebody else was pretending to be Harold Frey. And Travis said they cannot shoot the ball like they literally cannot shoot the ball and so I'm like okay you know he's he's probably he just wants us to play good defense and and so I'm guarding Nico and I'm like playing perfect defense I tipped the ball and it lands short of the 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 goal and Travis like just loses it cuz Nico got the shot off technically and I was just so shocked you know it's just like right. I mean I, like it's not possible but you know he just wanted to overemphasize it and, yes. and so that kind of stuff was so funny to me um but yeah
1: 2TEL Nuanus, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Bobby Moorhead in studio with us. going to stick around for another break. We appreciate him being here. We'll talk more Grizz Hoops against Eastern Washington, maybe get into some Montana State as well right after this.
0: You know, Gus, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody.
1: No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you, and you know, of course, my favorite, water slides.
0: That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. But with the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere.
1: Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that.
0: They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their
1: guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number five four one eight thousand. 8000 That's five four one eight thousand. 8000 The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not.
1: Always fun on a Friday, and the more so when Bobby Moorhead is in studio with us. Former Grizz uh, basketball player, four-year starter. Did, did, did you did you finish your career at the most games in in Grizz history?
3: Yeah, most games played. Yeah, man,
1: that's amazing. I I actually have the record. You might not know this for least games played. Grizzlies was pretty good. I think
3: tied with quite a few people. Yeah, sure yeah. So we're tied. Yeah, so is, good.
1: There's a big group of us with that goose egg in the uh, in the GP column. Uh, Bobby, we we were talking. We talked a lot about the Grizz in general. Some stuff from the, from the team. I want to talk about Montana State. Montana State one last night handily over Idaho which is impressive because Idaho, though they are now at 2-9 and nine, I think in Big Sky Conference play, had lost their first six games in conference by a combined total of 13 points. I mean that's insane. Their
0: yeah. 67-63 loss in Missoula was their worst loss right. of the first six games of mm-hmm. conference And
1: play. they lost by four. And uh, last night, again tied 32-32 and then Montana State, tip of the cap, walked away with it. They, they held Idaho to 8 second half points you're gonna win a lot of games you play that kind of defense which is by the way a, a new leaf for Montana no State uh, and that's what Danny sprinkle has certainly emphasized coming into this season to the, the 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 defensive side of things I know it's a whole new program over there really aside from Harold Fray a little bit uh, uh Devin Kirby as well you know there's a lot of transfers obviously new coaching staff but when you played Montana State you you were hot all but one against the Bobcats mm-hmm. over the course of your career uh it's a rivalry game. the crowds are big. I know the energy's high for that, but it also seemed like there was such a a confidence, which frankly seemed to exist even in this year that Montana played Montana State here, even with all yeah. the changeover and stuff, that you know we're going to go, it's going to be fun, and we're going to win this, foot, this basketball game. And and it's probably not going to be a nail biter ultimately when it comes down to it. W- w- did you experience that as a player, or or is that just from the outside looking in?
3: Yeah, I think uh, to an extent for sure. But and, but at the same time, you know, I think the coaches do such a good job of, of not really letting that happen too often because that mm-hmm. would be pretty easy. You know, we won quite a few in a row, and and they did get us get us on one, and and they weren't necessarily close very often. Um, and so it would have been easy to discount them And go in and lose multiple times, um which didn't happen, and so I think there's a healthy respect obviously it's it's a lot easier as a player to get up for a game that you know is probably going to be sold out But right? there's, so there's I, a
1: difference though between discounting a team a, aka not giving them respect, but also going in and expecting to win, right
3: yeah, I mean, I think the last two years I think we expected to win every big Sky conference game, yeah, and that is not in a disrespect to any other team, but I just I think we felt like we were the best team in the conference and and I don't think you know, we look back and, you know, we lose Jamarco, and that was a bummer. And and we still, you know, win a championship towards the end without him. But you know, we think with Jamar and the pieces that we have, we shouldn't lose a Big Sky conference game now. Yeah. That historically hasn't happened very often. I don't know if it's ever really happened in the Big Sky or it doesn't happen. The table. You know, yeah. it happens maybe in one conference across the country every year. Like yeah, maybe. If, if that. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we expect that. We know that's probably not going to happen. And so. Um, you know, I think some of the games that were, you know, we were probably more on edge for Weber state, Eastern Washington, um, you know, Portland state, even these last couple of years have been games that have been, you know, they've kind of been our Achilles heel. They've been really a difficult team for us to beat. And so, um, those kind of games, I think us players, especially as you become more of a veteran player, um, those games are on your mind a little bit more. But then again, you know, a crowd being able to play in front of environment where, you know, where the town cares more about that game than any other game throughout the year. Um, and so for me, it never got to that point. You know, I didn't, I'm probably getting in trouble. I didn't hate the Cats. I still don't hate the Montana State Bobcats. You, you, you You're don't. not
0: going to get in trouble, man. I think that that's the biggest misperception in the entire rivalry in every sport. They think that everybody hates each other. And in reality, the athletes don't hate each other. It's the fans that hate each other. You might have like that's a right. friendly rivalry with yeah. the guy, right? But it's the fans that are, that want to like brawl, you know? that I mean, I know so many Bobcats and Grizzlies, especially in football, that are,
1: they're buddies. They have healthy well, respect. I, for Harold him. Frey is such a jerk, though. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's very hard to like. He's always out there grandstand. I mean, come on, are we kidding here? I mean, Harold Frey is just as he's he's awesome. He's great to watch play, and he's great to talk to. What you know, you should have a healthy respect for for anybody like that. Yeah, you know? so
3: everybody's just asked the questions. You know, it's like yeah. this game's so important. It's so, but it, it was really just another game with a with an awesome crowd. Well, and it and just you
1: know, and I mean, it's a fair point that, that you're making too. It's like, okay, yeah, we went eight. You know, eight and one or whatever it was nine and one against Montana State, and almost every other team in the Big Sky too. So it's not right. as if it was just like an anomaly that yeah. you were successful against one particular team. Yeah,
3: I mean there was a couple yes. teams I don't think I ever lost to.
1: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. in yeah. a conference
3: I'm, I'm not sure specifically, but I don't think I ever lost to Idaho State. Mm-hmm. Um, we did lose. I don't. I don't know. Maybe yeah. a few others, but yeah. Um, you know, there was a couple teams that that gave us a lot of problems. You know, Weber State. Uh. Portland State, Weber State.
1: Your junior year, you guys go on that, you know, great run, 26 wins, go to, f- break through, get to the tournament, mm-hmm. do the thing. And, and it seemed like such joy and fun for a good portion of that season. Yeah. And the expectations were sky high coming into your senior year. And you do you, you replicate almost exactly in fact exactly that the season before do the same thing ironically enough against the same team again in the tournament but it seems like it was more of a grind than it was yeah. your junior year was that a result of expectations and actually let me ask you that looking back how great how proud are you of what you though accomplished I mean when you go winning is two years in school history and the stretch that that you and that group Put together
3: That was the time of my life Like it yeah. was You know Incredible I'll look back on that With incredible memories You know Some of these guys Are still some of my best friends Sure But at the end of the day You know Like people forget quick And you know It's not It's not something I just think about You know man I won the big sky You know Like this Yeah It's just You know So it's an incredible feeling And and like most incredible feelings, you know, it fades away. And, and it's an awesome memory I'm going to have. But, you know, this team, now we got this team, you know. Yeah. It's exciting to watch. And so I hope they win a championship and then, you know, you just keep it going. And and then you take pride in your school and what they do. So, um, you know, it was incredible. It was fun, you know. But it was a grind the senior year. And I, I would venture to say it wasn't as fun my senior yeah. year as it was our junior year. And I don't know particularly why that was. You know, there were a number of factors. Our junior year be the same starting lineup the whole entire season. Uh you know, pretty consistent. Guys were um I don't know. And and we came off a year that was pretty bad, you know. And so I think motivation uh, from that year. There was right? a lot of motivation for that. Yeah. You know, we're like we're not that bad. I know we're not, you know. We had really good players and we just didn't do what we needed to do. And and so that left a bad taste in our mouth and so we were ready to kind of avenge that knowing that yeah. we were, you know, one of the best teams in our conference for sure. And so um so that was Great, and so that first year winning that was like, I mean, that was like fairy tale, like a dream come true, you know. Like, yeah. Especially coming, you know, the game against Northern Colorado in the semifinals was a game that, that's a game I'll probably never forget because I didn't think we had any chance to win that game. And people forget
1: quick, but no one who was in the in the room will ever forget that game.
3: No, that, that's yeah, that's one game I don't think I can ever forget never. because. Because there were times, and I know players are supposed to say this, but I didn't think we were going to win, and and
0: well, I mean, there was a point in the game where it was actually impossible for you guys to win, and it you was, actually, and you still actually won. Yeah,
3: I think it was ninety nine point nine percent on ESPN's app <laughs> yeah. is what somebody was you telling guys me. we were down the game. eight
0: points with like thirteen seconds left. How's yeah, that? I mean, even it was even like
3: possible. It was yeah, it was pretty incredible, and and just the emotions were so high, and and like it was just so draining. And then we had to go back the next night. Play
1: Easter. Down,
3: <laughs> I think we were down eleven or thirteen 11, at yeah. halftime, and. Yeah. You know, and that was that was an interesting feeling because, at halftime down eleven is never a good feeling, and guys in the locker room were just like, nobody's worried. Like yeah. it was a very different feeling from normal. Um, everybody's like, you know, we're, like we're gonna win this game, and and everybody believed. And then all of a sudden, within a matter of six minutes, we had the lead in.
1: Well, that's and what happens like, when you make seventeen stops and eighteen possessions, yeah. Bobby. That's how yeah. you get back in the lead. <laughs> Uh, one more question for you. I just want to know about this team this year because you've been here. You've been watching this team and it, not just watching, studying because you're calling games and yeah. stuff like that. W- what have you thought about this iteration of the Montana Grizzlies, which, you know, is is a really brand new team in a lot of ways, but still has been playing at a very high level now through conference play?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, you know, early on we saw a ton of growing pains, which, which I expected. And unlike you, I didn't necessarily believe that they would win the Big Sky Conference. Now I believe they can. Um and that's not because I don't believe in Said or I don't believe in Travis or I don't but there's just a lot of what ifs. Sure. And it's a whole And, you never know. and a I know ways. winning it for the last two years, it's not it's really difficult to win it. And it's really difficult then to win three co- games in a row and go to the NCAA tournament. Definitely. So those are two different stories. Obviously winning the conference is, is amazing, but then you wanna you wanna take that next step. And so yeah. um for these guys, obviously, you know, they lose to Montana Tech early on and that's that's a huge blow, you know, and that's something you don't really wanna do when you're here. Um and so people probably started to discount them, you know. I was like, oh, man, that's not good. And and then, you know, I trust Travis, though, and I trust some of these older guys who I know a little bit better um, that they're going to get it right. And they, you know, slowly, you know, they have times where they, they go through some some pains again. You know, against Weber State, they, you know, have a tough time at the end of the game, and and, and certain things happen. Um, but they're starting to really play good basketball, and they're playing really confident basketball. And so that's what I noticed the last couple of games is, is these guys were really ready for these big games, you know, two, two of the biggest games of the year: Montana State and Eastern Washington, back to back. The guys came out ready to go. You know, knock off, knock down ten of fourteen from three in the first half against Montana State, a team that's top ten in the country in defensive three point field goal percentage. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible, you know, considering three freshmen are playing significant minutes in the lineup. So um, this team has definitely surprised me, and it, it's been really fun to see the last couple of games. And um, but the interesting thing is that it's not you know it's not as set as it was the last couple of years you know for example josh vasquez you know two games excluding the eastern washington game the two games before that he was averaging 13 minutes a game and the two games before that he was averaging 34 minutes from. right and so you know there's there's a lot of question marks you know for these guys to be playing the way they are with not knowing if they're going to play much that game that's a really difficult position to be in you know it's like i need to get ment- i need to get mentally ready for this game but i might only play 10 minutes or i might play 39 yeah. you know like yeah so for these guys to be handling it the way they are is is really impressive, you know. Yeah. Like uh, Kyle Owens has 14 points against Montana State, but the game before played like nine minutes, and he just had to be ready, and that's that's a testament to what they're doing right now. And they're so that and that's since I'm really surprised and proud of these guys for that because that's not an easy thing to do at all.
0: A stat on Josh Vasquez, he made one three pointer the first eight games of conference play. Then he hit that four three pointers in a row against Weber State. He's eight of 10 from three since he hit that first. <laughs> round. I said, what did I say? I yeah, said, once he, he hits one, he's going to wow. get did. it. But he to did. be prepared, though, like you said, to play spot minutes. I mean, like last night he didn't play much, but when he did play,
1: he's ready big. to roll. Yeah, And, it was. and, big, and he's, big he's big ready threes, to step yeah. up and yeah. hit
0: shots, which I think it's a testament to him, but also just the mentality of the program right now.
1: Bobby Moorhead, man, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. And since you're in town, well, we'll be seeing you in here on the regular. Absolutely. Okay, man. Thanks, appreciate guys. it. Thanks for being here. mattress firm student of the week a senior two-sport athlete from bozeman high school lucy child lucy thank you so much for being with us how are you i'm doing well how are you well we we are great thank you for asking and uh let's talk a little bit about the sports that you're in because you are a two-sport athlete There, playing soccer and basketball you're in the middle of the season right now so thanks for taking the time out but what what's it been like for you playing sports at bozeman high school
4: Yeah, you know, I've grown up playing sports my entire life. Um, My dad and brother are sports fanatics, and I've been fortunate enough to uh, have been brought up in the same atmosphere. Um, I think Bozeman High, um, while we can be a bit competitive at times, I think uh, our community does a really great job at fostering um, a sense of... Getting, getting outdoors, getting exercise in any sense that you can, um, which I really appreciated, and I've just found that in um, my sports that I participate in, and I love them so much. Um, I found some of my best friends in them, and I uh, plan to continue, maybe not at a super competitive level, but um, at least intramurals once we get past high school.
1: And, and you said your dad and brother are big sports, sports guys uh, out there. Is that, mm-hmm. is that how you got into sports, or were you into sports and then your brother? How did that all work?
4: Yeah, my brother's about five years older than me, so um, like any younger sibling, they want to aspire to be like their older
1: ones. As an Um, oldest sibling, (laughs) I can say that is absolutely true. All of my siblings (laughs) want to be me, so that is outstanding. I agree with you.
4: Exactly. Um, And so, actually, my brother was a, uh, he played football, soccer, basketball, baseball, um, and I followed in all of those footsteps. I obviously, obviously play soccer and basketball, but I started with, um, football, flag football when I was pretty young and T-ball. Um, and yeah, I, I loved getting to, um, doing any, doing any of those sports with, uh, my brother and dad. They always would love on game days, on Sunday football game days, um, to head out to the yard, throw the ball around, anything like that. It was always a
1: blast. you've been doing a bunch of stuff around Bozeman as well, including in the Special Olympics. How did you get involved in the Special Olympics?
4: Yeah, um, one of my eighth-grade teachers, actually, she and her husband um, are head facilitators or coaches of the Special Olympics Bozeman Public Schools program here in Bozeman. Um, And she knew that I played soccer and asked if I'd be willing to um, go through the training course and program to become a unified partner for Special Olympics. And that's what I started to do. That was in eighth grade. Um, And I've continued with it ever since. I've picked up basketball, um, bocce ball, and track along the way as well,
1: which has always been a blast. Um, Lucy, let's talk about next year because you – Aren't 100% exactly where you're going, but you have been accepted to your number one school, which was Georgetown University in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Congratulations on that. That's Thank very you. cool. Uh, what, what about Georgetown was the thing where you're like, that's that's the one for me. That's what I'd like to do.
4: Yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny. I feel like I just typed out the answer to this question a few months ago. When well, I good. Perfect, um, then. That's, <laughs>
1: uh, you gave a great answer, I'm sure.
4: <laughs> exactly. Um, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, I mean, for starters, I love Washington, D.C. And coming from Montana, we have a, we we live in a beautiful state. We have access to so many different um, opportunities, especially when it comes to landscape, which I've loved and appreciated and sucked the joy out of It's like in every respect, I guess. Um, but I, I I'm looking for that bigger city and DC. I found that, um, you could spend years in DC and try and do one thing on your bucket list there every day and never run out of things to do. Um, there's always something to do, which I love. I personally want to get, um, get into political science and economics. So, um, there's really no better place to be than in the nation's capital, I guess. Um, so I definitely love that aspect. Georgetown itself, um, I think it offers a very holistic education, uh, which I appreciate obviously. Um, and especially being able to tie that to the surrounding atmosphere, that DC culture, I think is really important something that Georgetown does a really good job at doing. Um, and then lastly, I guess, I found myself actually drawn to um, a Jesuit education, um, which there are only 28 um, universities in the United States that offer that at the college level, like I said. Um, And aside from theology, the religious aspects of it, um, anything like that per se, the philosophies carried um, by these institutions are incredible as they um, really just try and foster a sense of uh, community and empowering those around you and reaching out to the less fortunate um, which um, I think align with my ideals especially with everything that I've done here at high school so there you go. Well,
1: Lucy, that's phenomenal. We wish you the absolute best, first of all, for the rest of this basketball season, the rest of your school year, and then heading uh, perhaps and maybe probably to uh, to Georgetown University. <laughs> congratulations again on that. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm sure it will go great for you uh, wherever you end up going. But thank you for being with us and congratulations on being the student of the week this week. All right. Yes.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. Lucy Child, Bozeman High School, Bozeman, Montana.
2: Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore